Welcome to Bowling Springs Baptist Church, where we learn and grow together in Christ. We now join the church in worship. Good morning. I want to take this opportunity to welcome you to our morning worship service. How great it is to be in the house of the Lord this morning on a beautiful, bright, sunny Sunday morning. I want to take this opportunity to grab your bulletin. I want to welcome any visitors or guests that are with us today. We're going to ask everybody to pull that tab off your bulletin there. If you're visiting with us today, we want to um, get to know you. So please fill out that welcome side of that so we can get to know you and uh, give you the opportunity to know us. We'd love to, to be able to share with you about who we are and get to know you. So please fill that out and drop that off in the offering plate so we can kind of share with you. On the back side of that is a prayer request side. That's for everyone uh, to use. If you have a prayer concern or somebody, you know someone who has a prayer concern, please drop that off in the offering plate and we'll share that with the staff or with our care ministry if you would let us. Also, um, in front of you should be some care slips. Um, either white or colored slips that you can fill out if you know someone that is in need of some ministry, be it a card, be it a phone call, be it prayer. Uh, if there's something that we can physically do for them as well, we'd love to be able to do that. The care ministry is an important part of what we do, but we can't do care if we don't get names and info from you. So please, um, I encourage you to, to do that. I encourage you to encourage others to do that so that we can continue our care ministry. I want to share with you some um, announcements and some things that are in the bulletin, some things that we need to correct. Uh, first of all, just want to uh, let you know that there is no evening worship tonight. Uh, the offices will be closed tomorrow in observance of Memorial Day, so please make note of that. Wednesday is our uh, May senior adult lunch, so seniors, please take note of that. We'll eat at 1130. And then we'll have a program presented by Miss Nancy Freeman, who will share with us about Heart to Heart Ministries, which is a great ministry. And that'll just be a great time of fellowship and hearing about her ministry and how we can be involved and partner with them in that. But then also I want to make a correction. Wednesday evening, there will be no actines. Youth will have their regular uh, youth Bible study that, uh, this Wednesday night, so no actines uh, to be listed there. I want you to um, see the Vacation Bible School needs that are listed there. Please make note of those and get involved with those as, as much as you can. Then next Sunday evening, I want to invite you to be a part of our year-end missions and music program presented by our children. The uh, children's missions and music program will begin at 6 o'clock. And then following that, we'll have an ice cream social to uh, honor and thank Jim and Carol for their service to our church and that'll just be a great time of fun and fellowship, so go ahead and get prepared for that. There are also some invitations there for showers and things that are going on. We've got uh, a lot of uh, great things going on with families to celebrate within our church, so please uh, make note of those and get involved. I've been praying for these um, families and these families who are in transition in different ways. It's just great to be able to celebrate and be a part of the family of God and I know that, that you'll want to be a part of all the things that are going on in the lives of our church members. I do want to ask that you would pray for the family of Miss Mabel Moody, who passed away last week. Her funeral will be here on Tuesday at 3 p.m. here in the sanctuary. The family will receive friends uh, beginning at 2 o'clock. For those of you who may not remember Miss Mabel, her, um, her son is Dan Morton. You may uh, remember Dan, so please be, be in prayer for them. Let's continue to worship this morning. 
get our hymn books and turn to page 379 as we stand. kids want to come down for children's sermon this morning come on down while they're coming just want to say a quick word of thank you to Teresa for leading today as Paul is um, spending a little time away vacationing we're thankful for her willingness to step in and do that today all right y'all doing okay today good good um there, there's some change in color in the room today, and you may or may not have, have noticed it, but I'll tell you, it's in two places. It's hanging on the front of the pulpit, 
and then around the necks of our choir members. They, they don't normally wear that color. What color do you see? What color is that? Uh, red. red, yeah, red. Uh, why, why do you think they, we would display the color red today? Ah, one would think it was because of Memorial Day, but it's not. It's not. You know? Um, because um, it has to do with something that we're going to talk about today. That's right. It has to do with something we're going to talk about today and every day, really. Today, today the red is because in, in, in the Christian calendar, it's called Pentecost. Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is when the Holy Spirit came into the lives of those that were at Pentecost. When they were hearing the word preached, all of a sudden everybody heard the story of Jesus, what we call the gospel, in their own language. They were able to hear it and understand it in their own language. And the Holy Spirit came and Thousands of people came to know Christ that day. And that was really the day that the church got started because the Holy Spirit came and filled up everybody that was there. And that, that was, that's what Pentecost Sunday is all about. But it is Memorial Day, so I want us to, to really to think about that too. We got two flags in our sanctuary, don't we? We have two flags in our sanctuary. Do you know that those two flags are very similar? Because do you know what those flags represent? Those flags represent freedom. They represent freedom. This flag over here to my left, your right, represents the freedom that we have here in America. And we are blessed to live here. But the freedoms that we have... They, they weren't cheap. Do you know what they cost? They, they didn't cost an amount of money. They costed people's lives. There were people who died so that we can have freedom. So it wasn't cheap. People gave their lives so that we can have the freedoms that we have today in America. And if we look at the Christian flag... It represents freedom as well. And to me, it's the most important freedom that we can have. It's our freedom from sin. Because we know the Bible tells us that Jesus died. That Jesus died so that we can be free from sin. So that freedom right there, to me, means a lot more than this freedom. Though I am very thankful to live in America because I know that there are a lot of people who don't have the freedoms that we have. And one of those freedoms is that we can freely worship Jesus and acknowledge the freedom that we have from sin. And we can acknowledge Christ as our Savior. And some countries, they're not able to do that as freely as we are. So I want you to think that Freedom is not cheap. Jesus died for our freedom from sin, but there were a lot of people who died serving this country 
so that we can be free here in America. So be thankful that God has blessed us to live here, but be thankful more that he sent his son Jesus to die for us because that is the most important freedom that we have. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for the freedom that we have in you and that we're not enslaved to sin, that we can trust you and that you died for that sin. But God, we also thank you for those that gave, our li- gave their lives so that we can freely live in America and have the freedom to worship you. How grateful we are for that. We pray for those who don't have that freedom. And may we never take that for granted. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Stand again as we sing hymn number 514.
This is Memorial Day. And many times on Memorial Day, we, of course, remember, as Wesley mentioned, those who gave their lives for this country. We think about those on foreign fields, those who paid the ultimate sacrifice that we might be free. So we remember those people, we honor them, we honor those that came back and survived but still were willing to put their lives on the line. And also Memorial Day is a time in many churches of remembering those folks in the last year that have gone on to be with the Lord. There are families within this congregation that this was a sad year. This was a time when one was lost and there was an empty place at the dinner table, an empty chair, a voice no longer heard. And we want to take some moments in this Memorial Day to remember those folks, their sacrifice, their love, their contributions to this church, their contributions to this community. So I want to lead us in a word of prayer, and then I'm going to name each one of those folks as you reflect on them. Father, we're thankful for each day that we have. The folks here that I'm about to read, we lost this year. They made this church sweeter. They gave a special um, type of talent and gift to this church through their personality. So, Lord, we're thankful for each one. We pray for their families, their loved ones, that you will bless them and comfort them through the days ahead. Now, Lord, I want to mention these names that we lost this year. Garland Allen, Linda Loveless, Agnes Wynn, Frank Wall, Claude Harris, Jimmy Ray Hamrick, Alan Setzer, Mildred Poston, Minnie Lou Wynn, Rachel Hedrick, Betty Moore, Katie Ruth Dixon, Walda Allen, Mabel Morton Moody, May the blessings of heaven be sweet for each one of these dear persons who meant much to this congregation. Bless us and guide us as we go through this service. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. Amen. 
Our offertory hymn is 518. Shall we gather at the river? Let's stand as we sing together. 
I want to thank Teresa for coming and doing such a good job and keeping our music ministry going. Um, I think I told you last week that these last Sunday and this Sunday and next Sunday, these three Sundays, I was going to try to share about some key things that I think this church needs to think about at this time of transition as Keith comes to be your pastor. And last Sunday I spoke on the work of God, that it's not just the work of the preacher. It's not just the work of the staff. It's not just the work of a five or ten percent of the church membership. It's the work of all of you. And if all the people get involved, there's no way the church cannot succeed. It's a teamwork. People willing to be involved. People willing to do things they've never done before. People having that willing spirit. And it's the work of all the people. That makes a difference. I'm going to be sharing today about the importance of unity in the church. And then the last Sunday, I'll just be sharing on about four or five different things to keep in mind as we continue to think about this time of transition. One of the great Psalms in the Bible is Psalm 133. I think it's the second shortest Psalm in the Bible. I think it's Psalm 117 that has two verses. I may be wrong about that, but I think that's right. And um, this talks about the importance of unity. My dear brothers and sisters, hear me closely. If the church is not unified in spirit, spiritual unity, spirit, unity from God, that binds our hearts together. So we may have differences of opinion, but they never come between friends. Spiritual unity. The church can have gifts and talents and abilities, and if it lacks that, it will not succeed. Just remember that, how important it is to love each other despite differences of opinion. Psalm 133 talks about this. It reads, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. In this scripture, my friends, brethren means you and I. We're the brethren here. We're the people of God. The brethren is the church, this congregation. How good it is when you and I, all the people of this church, have a spirit of unity and togetherness and mutual esteem amongst each other, even though we may have differences of opinion, some of those opinions within the life of the church and, and what the church does, how good it is when that is the overriding thing, that unity and that self-respect one to the other. How blessed the people of God are when they're one community without dangerous splits and schisms and rival parties. What does the psalmist compare this blessing to? 
First, you see there, it's compared to the anointing of the high priest. And this just wasn't any priest. This was Aaron, the high priest. And when he was ordained, when he was anointed, they were anointed on the head. And I, maybe this was just the way it had to be just for the high priest. Maybe this was a once-in-a-lifetime thing when he was ordained. That they gave, they put so much of this sweet-smelling ointment on him that it ran down the side of his face, down his beard, all the way down his robe to his feet. Boy, they about drowned him. <laughs> you can imagine when that would smell like it. Let's say that was Old Spice or something. Boy, I tell you, you could smell him for 10 miles away. <laughs> um, here it was not Old Spice. It was myrrh and cinnamon and sweet columnus and cassadia and other expensive and sweet-smelling <clears throat> perfumes that could be smelled from a long distance. Aaron was anointed so much it ran down the edge of his robe. Unity is like that. You can catch it a far way off. It's valuable. Aaron also had another symbol as he was high priest, his breastplate on it were the 12 tribes of Israel. That was a symbol of unity. The psalmist compares unity, secondly, to the dew of Hermon. Now, most of Palestine, my friends, is a desert, dry, arid, hot place. Many of these places are destitute for rain for many, many a months. But in the north of Palestine, there is a mountain. <clears throat> it is called Mount Hermon. It is 10,000 feet high. Now, we don't think about Palestine having mountains that are 10,000 feet high. Mount Mitchell, 6,000 feet. So I imagine there's snow on the top of Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is called the father of dew because of its location and certain climatological um, things. It has the heaviest dew in the world. When the dew falls on Mount Hermon, it's like it rained. There are orchards and gardens at the foot of Mount Hermon that are able to survive just by the water that comes from the dew. There was a man there, John Tristram, who visited Mount Hermon a number of years ago, and he wrote a diary about his experiences. And he said one morning he woke up and the dew was so heavy and thick that the tent, the bedding, the things all outside were just saturated because the dew was so heavy. Dew, don't you think, would be like a mysterious gift from heaven. Out of the blue sky, the sun coming up, and here's all this moisture on the ground, deep moisture on the ground. It would be like a mysterious gift from heaven for the ancient Israelite. Unity is a diffusive thing, like the dew of Hermon, like the sweet perfume over the head of Aaron, the sweet ointment that cannot be confined to one spot but runs down all over and the freak, sweet fragrance can be smelled all around. Like the dew of Hermon, the moisture that brings refreshment and fertility, the Bible compares that to unity. That's the way unity is. That's the blessing it is. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. We really realize that in churches today, there is a crying need for a unified spirit. That's the situation in the Southern Baptist Convention. 
There is a need for unity. That's the situation in many, many local churches, be they Baptist or any other denomination. And my friends, mark my word, no matter how beautiful the buildings, no matter how great the resources of a particular congregation, no matter how varied the talents of the people may be, without a unified spirit within the people, a spirit of humility, wanting to work together, working together for a common cause, respecting varying opinions within the congregation, without that unity, all those other things mean nothing. And I mean nothing. They don't mean anything. I'll give you a startling example of this. A preacher visited one of the sites in the Holy Land, which is supposed to be the tomb where they laid the body of Jesus. I remember going to the Holy Land, my friends, and sad to say, they had a number of traditional sites. No, this is where Jesus was laid. No, this is where Jesus, this is where Calvary was. No, no, it's over here. I don't think really any of them know. I think the tour people manufacture as many as they can so they can make money (laughs) off of it. But this preacher said he visited one of these sites and it was a stone kind of walkway. You went through like a cave. You could stand up, but it was stone all the way around. And he went about 30, 40 feet through this stone walkway. And then you walked into an opening where that was supposed to be where the body of Jesus was laid. But this preacher noticed as he walked through this walkway, there were light, electric light fixtures on the walls to illumine the walkway, which would have been dark without it. But they weren't lit. The power wasn't on. They were using candles. Thought that was kind of odd. He walked by there. There was candles burning, enough light to walk. But there were light fixtures right beside the candles, and they weren't using the light fixtures. It's kind of a curious thing. So when they got to to the, the room in the very back, the guide asked, were there any questions? And one man, the man that noticed this, just kind of, I said, I'm just kind of curious. You have candles you're using here to get us in here so we can see. You have these candles, but they're light fixtures that, that are not lit. Why is that? The guy who was Muslim kind of laughed. He said, well, that's because three different Christian sects own this site. They're always fighting over the light bill. So the, light, the, the power company cut them off. Now let that sink in a minute. On the way to see the place, presumably where Jesus was laid, Christian people were fussing over the light bill. This is what you see. How appealing unity is. How attractive it is when people walk into the church and they feel the love, they feel the unity, they feel the mutual respect. How it draws people. And how disunity repels people. 
People can walk into a big sanctuary and they can walk into well-dressed people and they can walk into a, a beautiful campus as they see uh, in, in many churches and when they feel that there's a spirit of tension, a spirit of disunity, they won't be back. They won't be back. I remember my first church in Tryon, First Baptist Church Tryon, I, uh, I was out visiting the community, just wanted to get to know people. And I met a fellow. He was real nice. And we talked for a while. And I just introduced myself. I'm the new preacher of the First Baptist Church here. <clears throat> and uh, just good talking to you. I want to invite you to my church. <clears throat> and the man, you know, he was nice. He said, he laughed and said, listen, you know, I appreciate your invitation, but, but I don't go to churches. I've been to churches, and all I'd experienced in many of those churches were people that were fighting against each other. No, thank you very much, but I'm, I'm not interested in church. You see, my friends, the problem of unity is really part of a greater problem. It's the problem of evil. Why do men quarrel and fight? Because of the sinfulness of the human heart, because of pride, fear, ego, selfishness, desire to dominate. And those problems that are deep will not be, be solved by just a conventional religion. There needs something important, some great spiritual work in here so we can really be unified and we can forget our ego and our, our selfish ideas and we can really work together. What is the answer? You know this. Some churches seem to flourish and get along. You never hear any kind of disruption. They just go from strength to strength. They're happy. They're joyous. You feel a spirit of unity and self-respect. People get along. You see churches like that go on generation after generation. And you see other churches, they just struggle every time you turn around to something else. Why is that? What is the answer? Listen. What did the psalm say? Christian love and unity come from above. Like the dew of Hermon, like the anointing oil on Aaron, they come from God. We don't have unity, my friends, just because, oh, I get along with folks, man. I'll tell you, I get along with folks. I never met a stranger, and I can really get along. No, it's got to be deeper than that. It comes from God. It comes from a strong relationship with God as unity is prayed for and sought from God. Those examples that I gave in Psalm 133, the ointment came from above, the dew descended from above. It comes from above. It comes from God to the believer, to, from the believer to another believer. And yes, even from a believer to a non-believer. Unity comes from above. Like the anointing oil from above, like the dew that falls from heaven. Unity is a responsibility of each Christian as he looks at his walk with Christ. We seek fellowship with God. And when we truly find that, we reach out to deeper fellowship with other people. And all lack of unity among ourselves, my friends, is due to our failure to realize our unity with God. And that unity is a gift to the Holy Spirit. When we have that unifying Holy Spirit of God. It drives out deceit and malice and evil and ego and all the things that we wanted our way. No way. Only so that what can remain can be more knit together because of that love, that unity, that unity of heart and spirit. 
a willingness to compromise, a willingness to cooperate, mutual esteem, affection, working together for a common good, a common cause with one heart and one mind. When we pray and say, Lord, make our church unified, make us love each other more than our personal opinions, make us love each other with a holy love, he will do that for us. And things that used to be problems will be problems no more. I want to give the example of a book that a couple wrote. The name of the book was Love Rekindled. Told the story of a young couple. They were married when they were young, and they were both kind of selfish and immature and self-centered. And, and uh, it didn't take long for their marriage to get in trouble. And uh, after a couple more years of bickering and fighting and fussing, each of them wanting their way, they divorced. Couldn't stand to look at each other. Best day I ever did when I walked away from you. <laughs> As fate would have it, a year and a half so after their divorce, the woman went to a ladies' retreat with some of her friends from the church. And there was a challenge of those ladies to love their husbands if they had husbands. She really started taking that thing to God. She suddenly realized where she had been at fault. She suddenly realized that he wasn't all wrong. She was wrong too. But God helped her to see that as she really reached out in prayer to him and it became clear to her what her problems were. And about the same time, he went on a retreat with a bunch of his guys at another church. And the same thing happened. Suddenly, in, in group discussion, in prayer, he realized he was convicted that he had treated her wrong. He had said things he shouldn't have said. He realized that God did not want them to break up. And they got back together. And they got remarried. <laughs> because God's Holy Spirit got a hold of their hearts. And they saw unity where they didn't see unity before. They saw their own pride where they didn't see it before. You study the, listen, my friends, you study the great revivals in times past. The great, great Welch revival in the turn of the century, the Methodist movement under the leadership of John Wesley, the revivals of Charles Finney in New York and New England. What does it say about when these great revivals broke out and God worked in a powerful way? They were of one heart and one mind. What does it say in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost? They were of one heart and one accord and the Spirit fell. Spirit won't fall till you get your heart right and you get a unified spirit. It won't fall. It will stay in place and it won't fall on you. <laughs> One whole chapter of the book of John, John 17, was a prayer of Jesus for his disciples that they would be one. That they wouldn't bicker with each other. They would see the things that made them the same greater than the things that made them different. As I said, nothing can be accomplished without that unity. Unity is not sameness. Unity does not mean uniformity. Oh, we got to all think alike. All got to, you know, all got to be. No, we can be different. We're as different as the clothes you're wearing today at church. We're different. You scratch us deep enough. We're different. But within us ought to be a desire 
to go the second mile, to understand an opposing viewpoint, to have peace and harmony in the church more than any opinion that I, one person, might have. That's the most important thing. It's a unity of motive. It's a unity of purpose. That's the kind of unity that this church and any church needs. Christian unity in the church is good. It's good for the church. It's good for the community. It's good for potential converts. Unity is not only pleasant to us, it's pleasant to God. 2 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion, but the author of peace. And God will honor unity. As we are ready to be used of God and we unite our hearts together. Unity is power. Think about it. You can take a little thread and break it. You twist a bunch of them together, you got a rope. So when a church gets unified, it gets powerful. It achieves great things because it is together. It is working together. A single drop of water is weak. Many together form a mighty stream. Pray together. Work together. Fellowship together. Trust God together. Love together. Witness together. I remember a man told me in another church that I respected very highly. He was a good man. He had strong opinions, strong opinions about things. And he loved his church. And when certain issues came up before the church, he was very much concerned with them because he loved his church. But I remember once a particular time, I don't know what the issue was. Maybe it was building a building or hiring new staff. I don't know what it was. But the vote went against him. The church decided to do this, and he had wanted to do that. Well, he shook my hand. I knew how he felt. Can't remember his name. I'll call him John. I said, well, John, how you doing with that vote? He said, well, Jim, the church has spoken. Let's move on. <laughs> Bless his heart. <laughs> That's the kind of man God uses. Folks, we're not here to get our way. We're here to get God's way. We're not here to support our own particular opinion. We're here to find the will of God through these people here gathered so that he can work in a great way. And what is the last part of this verse, I mean this chapter? This uh, short little thing. Three verses. Like the dew of Hermon coming down among the mountains of Zion. What does he say? The very last statement. For there, if you have that kind of unity, for there the Lord commanded a blessing. He commands it. If you have that kind of unity, God says, I command that church to be blessed. There's no way that church can miss a blessing because it has that kind of unity. I pastored some churches that I don't know what it was. They just had a spirit of humility and service and love and mutual respect. And they just, just, it was great. It was so much fun to lead them. This church has that potential. Seek that unity. Let nothing discourage it. And the Lord will command a blessing. Let's bow together. Father, bless us as we 
extend this invitation to be any here that want to come into this church from another. Any who want to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we stand ready to receive them as I stand down front. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. The invitation to him is 309. Let's stand together. Father, go with us and guide us through life. Help us, Lord, to be unified. That unity comes from you. Like that sweet perfume coming off the beard of Aaron, like the dew from Hermon, it comes from above. And may it spread over this church like a sweet-smelling perfume, like a refreshing dew, that people would be drawn to you because they're drawn to us and bless us and guide us. These things we ask in thy name. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to the worship service at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, located at 307 South Main Street in Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Come and worship with us at your next opportunity. Thank you for listening.